Welcome to the Next Level Business Podcast for entrepreneurs who are looking to take their business and wealth to the next level. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Next Level Business Podcast. And if you're new to the show, what we try to do is we try to help you guys build wealth through the three pillars. We talk about it all the time, business, real estate, and stocks. And we try to bring in guests that can give us some great insight and some knowledge. And today we have one, we're going to do a deep dive on sales today. So we have an expert in that field today, Mr. Frank Gustafson. How are you doing, sir? Good, Shane. Appreciate you inviting me in, brother. You know, you said expert. Uh, my world, X is a has-been is a drip under pressure, so I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> welcome sounds, to the yeah, welcome to the show. Thanks, man. Well, the first thing we do is we just get a little backstory. Tell us about who you are and how you got to where you are today. Yeah, so uh, so I started in sales. I, I got tricked into sales probably 35 <laughs> years ago. No nation <laughs> whatsoever to grow up and be a sales guy, and I think probably most salespeople didn't come out of the uh, out of the womb or weren't groomed by their parents. Hey, I want you to go be a salesperson. <laughs> so uh, 35 years kind of got tricked into it and um, uh, started to gain some success right away. Um, and, uh, you know, spent a lot of time in a lot of different companies, kind of grew up in the telecom world and um, you know, moved, chased a dollar all the way up I-35 uh, to Minneapolis, got stuck in the snow for 24 years, sold a lot of stuff. Uh, started a couple of companies up there, sales leadership, the whole nine yards. So just really a lot of um, selling, sales leadership, business ownership, and um, love sales, man. Just love sales. That that leads into my question. Why do you like sales? Why do you think it's so important? Um, well, I love what Zig Ziglar said. Uh, two things that he said. Number one, he said, no, but nothing happens in a business until somebody sells something, Right. And I think that that is, that is a pretty safe wisdom. And then he also said, hey, look, it doesn't matter what your business card says. Everyone in your business is in sales. They have the ability to affect a sale either negatively or positively in one way, form, or fashion. So we're all really in sales. Yeah, you know, that that's always bugged me because I've kind of been in sales myself. You know, I've been on the financial side and I've been a banker for a lot of, a lot of years. And our biggest goal was to go out and meet people and build rapport with them. I was, my first role was the, the sales guy first. Sure. And, and obviously I had to, had to some kind of competency on how we're going to do a loan, how we're going to structure it and does it make sense. But the number one goal and what I thought I did the best at was the relationship side. But it, it always bothers me how, if, if, if you tell anybody you're in sales, there's such this negative connotation <laughs> about a sales guy. Everybody thinks you're just this sleazy car sales guy that nobody wants to have anything to do with. You know, it's funny that you say that. Um, we've got a, a, a really a theory in, uh, in Sandler, and that is that selling, professional selling is a noble profession. It's a noble endeavor, and it should be respected. Uh, I, I get a lot of non-sales types in my training program, and one of the first things that I talk to them about is, hey, look, when I say sales guy, when I say salesperson, salesman, what are the what's the first thing that comes to your mind? And I do hear a lot of those kind of things. 
Uh, it's interesting. I've got a, a geologist in my program. I've got an accountant in my program. I've got a lot of non-selling people. And they came in with that mindset that selling was, you know, slick talker, used cars, um, uh, you know, fast talker, that kind of thing. And they came out really realizing that sales is about relationships. It's about having a conversation to determine if there can be an exchange of value. And it is a it is a noble profession. It truly is. Yeah. So that, that's funny that that's one of the first things that you do when you get them in a room is try to reeducate them and, and just switch their mindset a little about ditch your old philosophy about sales. And we're going to we're going to teach you what it really is, what it truly is, because without it, you've got nothing like you said inside a business. There is nothing that happens without a sale. Right. Right. Well, And, and you know, new information, um, new thinking comes from new information. They just didn't have the information. I like that. So uh, on to Sandler. Sandler is one of the most revered names in the business of sales training. What made you want to to slide over to Sandler and what, what do you do there now? And what do you like about it? So so my last gig was I was the uh, senior VP of sales and marketing for a, a local company here in Fort Worth. And um, I, I found myself on the outside. Um and uh, kind of trying to figure out what I wanted to do next. I've, I've, you know, I've started brick and mortar businesses from scratch. I've been there, done that, gone down that road. Um, kind of was thinking, what can I do? What is out there that is really in my wheelhouse? It's something that I'm passionate about that maybe has a system wrapped around it. And I didn't know anything about Sandler. I went out and started doing a little research. You know, how can I start a sales, sales training, sales leadership training business? And I found Sandler. Um, I had some conversations with the folks at uh, at Sandler headquarters out in Baltimore. I reached out to a bunch of uh, uh, Sandler folks around the country that had Sandler offices that owned Sandler businesses, um, picked their brain a little bit, uh, tried to understand their philosophy around sales, read a couple of books, um, and fell in love with the Sandler process. It's unlike anything that I'd ever done. Uh, and it just makes so much freaking sense. Yeah. So I've got a a good friend of mine that uh, is in one of your groups and he raves about it. That's the first thing he did. Like he's been, I don't know how long he's been in it, but every week it's like when he leaves there, he calls me and said, I told you, you got to get in this. You're wasting your time. He goes, you won't regret it. And he said, if if you don't even like it, I will give you, uh, I will pay for it myself. <laughs> if you don't find value in it. So what do you cover in those classes when you have those in there? What, what are these guys raving about so much? You know, it is, uh, there's a, there's a lot of things. And I think one of the, um, I think one of the keys is really to kind of understand how traditional sales work. How we call it the buyer seller dance, you know, where, where the prospect uh, holds their cards close to their vest. They hold their information close they're there to gather information. They're there, to, and then they disappear. We know that, right? Because we are consumers, and when we go look for a car, when we go look for furniture, when we go to wherever we go, who come? Who's the first person that walks up to us? Salesperson, right? And what do they say? How can I help you? And what do we say? Ah, uh, just looking, right? We're holding our cards close to our get our vest. We're trying to gather information. We're not going to commit to anything. We don't want one of these one of these tricksters that trick us into buying something. 
And then we go away and we do our research and maybe we buy, maybe we don't buy. That's the traditional system. And it plays right into the hands of the traditional salesperson that's there to qualify for interest and then and then do a presentation and then close and then overcome objections and then close again and then wind up chasing. We've got a totally different philosophy on that. And I and that's one of the things that I love about it. I I was on a sales call uh, Tuesday with a company, a local company. And uh, after the sales call, I followed up with, with my connection there. And he said that, uh, that one of the guys on the, on the call was, he said, when is this guy going to give us the sales pitch? And <laughs> he goes, well, I don't think that's the way they do it. And he's hundred percent correct. I'm not there to pitch. I'm not there to talk anybody into anything. I'm there to say, okay, here's where you are today. Here's where you want to be. Do I have a solution to help you get there? And if I do, Let's talk about it. Let's see if it makes sense to engage. And if it doesn't, we don't engage. And that is that is counter to the way that most salespeople sell. They qualify for interest. They do a presentation. They close. They overcome objections. And then they chase. I don't, I don't, the, the biggest thing there that I see is this, this, this myth that you have to overcome objections. If you do sales right, there are no objections because I'm using the prospect's logic. I'm using their reasons to see if it makes sense for us to have to, to do business together. And people don't argue with their own logic. They don't argue with their own reasons. Yeah. What do you mean by chase when you say chase after the close? So, so have you ever told a salesperson, yeah, give me a call. Uh, we should have a decision probably in the next week. Give oh, me okay. a call. Mm-hmm. And then, and then, and then what happens? You go into the witness protection program, hide behind your voicemail. You don't return phone calls. You don't return emails. You don't return text messages. You're in hiding. And that salesperson, because they're tenacious, they will chase you to the end of the earth. I, I have told, I have in my, in, in way back in my past, I told uh, a prospect via voicemail one time, I will never give up trying to get a hold of you. I will call you every day forever. Oh my God, did I waste some time there and energy and money. And and not only that, bro, he probably just dreaded every time he saw your 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 number come up on that on that phone. Well, after that stupid, <laughs> he probably laughed every time he saw it, right? Yeah. So <laughs> you you got a uh you, you got a brand new presentation. You've talked to the guy on the phone, you're gonna go meet him in person. How much of that time should you spend listening? So we've got a rule there called the 70-30 rule. You, it, it, we say that a prospect that is listening is no prospect at all. They need to be talking. And the way that we, the way that we help them, um, the way that we help them co-create a solution is to listen to them, ask them questions and listen to them. So, so you should, God, God gave you two ears and one mouth for a reason. Use them in that, uh, in, in that uh, uh, percentage. I like to, yeah, because I can tell you that I, I would agree with that. I'd, I'd go meet these business owners. You know, I was in the banking world, so I'm meeting with business owners. And you, you always want to know the best of the best, right? And I always love getting them on the golf course because that's when I had them for the most amount of time. Uh, you know, I'd have them for captive for like five hours. Yeah. But when you listen and, you know, they'll start talking about their family and they'll start talking about their kids and their wife. And I knew when I got them to start talking about that kind of stuff, I had them. I knew okay. that we were I knew that we were making progress when we started getting to that level. 
Well, that's that's one theory. What I what I want to hear them talk about is is what are their what what is their what is their compelling emotional reason to do something different? You know, it's great to it's great to build that 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 trust and that rapport. We use something called DISC, extended DISC, and not everyone wants to talk about their family and their home life and those kind of things. There are there's a there's a large percentage of people out there that is the way that they build trust and rapport. And then there's a percentage that are just not that way. So if you try to go there with people that don't want to talk about that stuff, it it it, it can almost backfire on you. What what I want to find out, what I want to what I ultimately want to discover is do they have a compelling emotional reason to do something different? And can I can I help fill that void, that gap between where they are and where they want to be? And if we can, then it makes sense for us to carry on the conversation. How do you probe to get to that answer? What question are you asking to get to that? Well, there's, there's a, I mean, there's a whole system full of questions. Um, So I don't, I don't know that there's necessarily a, a specific question that'll help you get there. It's listening and responding to what they say. So I might say, I might say to a business owner, Hey, um, I might say, uh, Hey, Josh, you know, Frank Gustafson, Sandler, um, man, I don't know if it makes sense for us to have a conversation or not. Let me, let me share with you what it is that I do. And then you could tell me if it makes sense for us to talk or not. Is that fair? Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So, so what I do, Josh, is I work with, with successful business owners and I hear things from them like their salespeople aren't getting in front of enough good quality, solid prospects. And when they do, their their fear is that they're not saying the right things. Mm-hmm. And 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 what is really causing them the most consternation is they believe that they're leaving business on the table. Josh, I don't know if you struggle with any of that or not. Right. Yeah. I any do. of that any of that resonate? Well, for like for example, what? Um, whether they're saying the right things or not. Really? Tell mm-hmm. me more about that. Um, I think they're talking too much <laughs> and not listening, like you said. Really? Yeah, yeah I, I can, uh, selling features and benefits. I can imagine that's frustrating. So, so how long is that? How long has that been going on? Uh, for months. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. What have you tried to do about it? Um. Tried to do coaching and listen to calls. Any of that working? Not really. Man. And if you had to put a if you had to if you had to guess round numbers off the record, what do you think that's costing you? If you could get your guys to stop doing that, stop dumping features, what do you think that's costing you annually? A uh, million dollars a year. Hmm. How do you feel about that? <laughs> Is that a lot yeah. of money? That's a lot of money. Have you given up trying to fix the problem? I'm sorry? Have you given up trying to fix the problem? Uh, haven't found a solution yet. Haven't given up, but I haven't found a solution. Well, that's good to hear. And mm-hmm. I don't know I don't know if it makes sense for us. I don't know if, there, if we could help you. I don't know enough about what's going on in your world. But if it makes sense for us to have a conversation, I'm open to doing that. Got gotcha. you. 
So those, so those are some questions, Shane, that I'm going to ask somebody to try to find out what, what their issues are. You know, yeah. later on we can decide whether you know we both went to the same high school or or if, uh, <laughs> if we you know we went to the same alma mater or if you know both of our wives are from Italy, that kind of whatever, right? We can deal with those things down the road, and we will because I think bonding and rapport uh, and building that trust is super important. But right now, here's the key: people buy for their reasons, not for my reasons. So I've got to find out what their reasons are. Mm-hmm. Now, now you mentioned two things. You said uh, that that I heard, Get it, making sure they're getting in front of the right qualified leads, sure, and then making sure they're saying the right things. I know you address making sure they're saying the right things, but do you also work on getting in front of the right qualified leads? And how do you help a company dig down to that? <laughs> yeah, that's a tough one, man. That's a, that is a that is if if I had the answer to that, I'd be retired. Um, <laughs> that's what we're trying like, to solve here, bro. <laughs> right, right, man. It's like marketing, right? So, so yeah. they say that about 50% of your marketing budget is wasted. If you just knew which 50% you'd be good to go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that, I think that the key is that, uh, it, and that is a tough question, but the key is there's a lot of blood, sweat and tears that goes into getting in front of the right type of people. Right. There's a lot of time. There's a lot of energy invested by business owners to get the right kind of leads. Yeah, for sure. Wow. Wow. We got our people got to say the right things. They got to be doing the right things. They cannot just sit in front of folks that we have gone out and, and, uh, and put ourselves on the line and, 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 and attracted in some way, form or fashion and just feature dump on them. It's a waste. Frustrating. Yeah, and that's that's one of J- Josh's specialties is on the digital marketing side, gathering leads. You see those little plaques on the back. He, he, nice. He's 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 really good at that. And what him and I do is we we kind of tag team. So I work on the financial side, and he works on the getting leads side. And it, it's it's a powerful combination, but it's only one avenue of trying to get in front of the right people. You know, there, there there's a hundred, and that's always the hardest thing. How do we solve that problem? And uh, it's always a great question to ask. I, I just had a, a long conversation with a, uh, a marketing lady that is that is uh, very close with Sandler, and uh, she's like, "Hey, this is there is there has never been a time in history when there's when there's been less noise when there there's so much noise out there. There's so much going on. There's so much going around, and uh, and just just hammering on people on LinkedIn doesn't work. <laughs> um, Every day, yeah." Oh yeah. It's terrible. You know, indiscriminate cold calls, just, you know, Hey, have you got a, you know, have a, have you got a minute? Hey, how are you doing today? I mean, if it sounds like a cold call, it's going to be a cold call. How many robocalls do you get on your cellular phone on a daily basis? Oh, I got an app to block it. There's an app that you can get (laughs) slow that stuff down. But yeah, I need it, man. I need it. Yeah. So transitioning to that cold calls versus warm laws calls. Do you believe in cold calls at all? So, so there are, there are two groups of people that, that like cold calls and that is uh, sales managers and people that have never done cold calls. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Uh, We've got a rule in Sandler that says, look, you don't have to like cold calls, but you have to do them. 
And I think that I think it's almost it has almost gotten for me to a point where it is almost just a rite of passage. You just you just got to you know what? There's just things that you've got to do. And if some of that includes cold calls, we teach a a process called uh, no 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 pressure prospecting call. And it really kind of takes the pressure off of that thing so that so that, you know, in early in that conversation, we give the prospect the right to say no immediately. If it doesn't make sense for us to talk, that's okay. Do do you guys have any strategies of converting cold calls to warm calls before you ever get them on the phone? Like drilling down. I think like, uh, you know, Josh has a, has a friend that's in sales and he's on the quality assurance side and he goes to LinkedIn and he can drill down to all the quality assurance managers. That's his target. Right. And then he can start having a conversation, a dialogue with them. He, he puts them all in a CRM system and he starts tracking who's he, who he's, who he's calling on. But he's got a chance to turn that into a, I shouldn't say it's totally warm, but it's more warm, you know, because he, he can drill down to them with an email or he can send them something in the mail and he can get to know them. He can do a little bit of backstory homework, you know, on LinkedIn, kind of stalk them a little bit and get a little bit of their profile <laughs> before he calls them. But that to me seems like you're turning a, a more of a, war, a cold call into a less, at least a less cold call. Sure. And I think that's based, that's, you know, that's marketing. That's based on your approach. Um, as long as there's context around that, you're good to go. If it's just cold out of the blue, um, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to uh, send you a, a request on LinkedIn and expect you to accept it. And then I'm going to hit you with a, a pitch or a message. That's ridiculous. That's not warming up a lead. I don't know who's getting success with this. Why are they still doing that? I know, I know, man. So, so one of the things that that I, you know, I try to do, I'm not, I'm not terribly successful at it, but one of the things that I try to do is when I reach out to someone on LinkedIn, there's got to be some context around it. I've heard them on a podcast. I watched a video that they did. I read an article that they did. And man, does that take a lot of time? Absolutely. It takes a lot of time. Um, But I think that, uh, I think it pays dividends. I really do. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, stop the LinkedIn stuff, guys. It doesn't work. Nobody's reading it. <laughs> I think so what, it, are, what are some of the like the top mistakes you see? So in our business, we have inbound leads. People, you know, we spend a lot on advertising. They come to the website. They're already really warm, interested. They've been following us for a while. And so they fill out the code form and then a sales rep will reach out to them at that point. What are some of the, like in that particular situation, um, where it's already pre-qualified, you know, how would you train a company like that? Like what, what would some of the questions be that you would start off with? So it's exactly what I, exactly what I did with you earlier, Josh. Hey, you know, here's, here's what it is. Hey, does it make sense for me to let you know what it is that I do? Mm-hmm. And then you can tell me if it makes sense for us to have a conversation. And if, and if it doesn't, then that's okay. Right. So it's really, it's, it is, it's trying to understand. Um, it, it, I, I am not everything to everybody. Mm. There's some things that I do and that I do well. If I can let you know two or three of those things and then ask you if any of that resonates with you and you say yes. And then we we're off to a, we're off to a discovery conversation to see if maybe it makes sense down the road for us to have a deeper conversation. Because I really believe that sales is, it's about relationships and it is a, it is a conversation to see if it makes sense to have 
another conversation. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. Otherwise, you're pushing a rope. What about a one call close? How do you feel about that? You know what? If there's if there's a need, if there is a, if there is an if, if there is a compelling emotional reason for them to make a change, and what you do can help them get from point A to point B, and it can be done in one call, absolutely, that's not a problem. Um, so, so this is something you could probably uh, chime in on, Josh. My feeling, things that I've heard out there are are that seventy percent of the research, in general, has already been done before they reach out to you in the first place. Right. No, hundred percent. So, so, so buyers are are more educated now than they've ever been. If you have, if somebody comes to you that's an educated buyer. And, and and believes that you can help them with their problem. You just need to verify that. And if it makes sense to do business, you do business. Right. I like the the point that you make about um, dialing in the problem that they're having and then conveying to them exactly that that's the problem that you solve. And then basically all the other objections become irrelevant at that point. Is that what I understand? Yeah. Yeah. Cause if, because if you don't, then if you if if I don't do that, then all I'm doing really is talking about me mm-hmm. and my my benefits right. and why you should do business with me. It's never it can never be about me. It's got to be about you. Why do you think people just like salespeople in general? They just default to that, you know. It's like a default setting. I mean, as if, in my experience, it may not be in yours, but you know. Uh, price and features and, you know, my widget can go faster and further and it's going to cost you less. Okay. Um, if So think about, uh, think about an entrepreneur, think about a business owner that started a business in 1985 or 1995 or 2005. Um, ha, ha, um, uh, what's his name? Michael Gerber. You ever read Michael Gerber stuff? He talks about that most entrepreneurs were, uh, technicians that went that had a, a an entrepreneurial um, whatever the heck he calls it, and and those guys are super technical. They understand the stuff. They're the best at purveying that in their business. Gotcha. And they have they they don't know how to teach sales. They don't know how to nurture salespeople. Or either so you've either got that and that exacerbates the problem because they're teaching their people to go out and feature dump, or you've got a salesperson who grew up in that in that system who was the top salesperson, they got promoted to sales manager, and they're propagating the same stuff. And it, that's why they do it, because it's all they know. And 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 new decisions come with new information. So it's about it's about finding out uh, ultimately what their reason is, where it is that they want to go. Can you help them get there? Does it make sense to have a deep conversation about that or not? What about follow up? How do you feel about what's too much follow up? What's normal amount of follow up? Um, so the so the the rote answer to that the the uh, kind of the off the cuff answer is no follow up. Um, I try to I try to go into a into a, a conversation saying, hey, look, if it makes sense, then we're going to engage. If it doesn't make sense, we're not going to engage. I don't want to sit and do a ton of follow ups. I don't want to chase people. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, I might say, hey, so so we've got something called an upfront contract, which is basically um, kind of a roadmap for our conversation. And I'll say, hey, look, we're, we're going to have, I, I called you, I said what I said, you said, yes, it makes sense for us to talk. I say, great, let's book, let's book some time. Let's book 15 minutes, Josh. On this, on this 15 minute call, we're going to, I'm going to ask you some questions, some deeper questions about kind of what we've already discovered. Uh, we're not going to get too deep. Um, you're going to, you're going to have a pretty good feel in the first 15 minutes of our call, if it makes sense for us to engage and go a little deeper or not. And if, and if you feel like it, that we're not a fit, man, tell me, would do you mind? Would you tell me? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll tell you. Frank. Hey, are you okay if I tell you, if I feel like we're not a fit? Gotcha. You say, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. I appreciate you, you uh, not wasting my time. Mm-hmm. At, the end of our, at the end of our 15 minutes, we're going to, th- this is what's going to happen. We're either going to walk away friends or we're going to schedule a deep dive call. I'm going right. to send you a survey. I'm going to ask you 10 questions on that 90, on that 90 minute phone call. We're going to talk about the 10 things that are, that are the most important to you. I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions at the end of that period. One of two things is going to happen. We're going to we're going to decide to engage and we're going to take a step in that direction. And we'll talk about what that looks like then or we're we're a no go. I'm not going to chase people. It doesn't make sense. What about it? Uh, like if you had your first call, screen them, they said they're interested um, during the time between the next call. Would you send them like an email, just like maybe a customer testimonial or, some, you know, anything like that? No, because that's about me, not about them. Uh, the only thing they're going to get from me between between that initial contact and that first brief fifteen minute phone call to see if it makes sense to engage, uh, they're going to get a, a calendar invite with a Zoom link, and that's it. After that, they're going to get a calendar invite with a Zoom link and a survey. They're not getting anything from me. They're going to say, "Can you send me information?" You know, yeah, I'd be happy to send you information, but we're kind of we're at step two. That information step is probably closer to step five or six. I don't even have any idea what to send you. Um, can I ask you a few questions? Mm-hmm. Sure. Now, I'm not going to send them any information because they're going to forget about the information because we've got to what's most important to them. Right. Gotcha. Okay. Se- segue into that. Uh, you were talking about some of the most important elements. What, what do you think the most important element or traits that a sales guy can possess? If you had to list off the traits they need to be, have as part of who they are, what would you say those are? So, so we have, we have an assessment and it, and it, and it, there's about, there's about 17, 18 different traits that good salespeople need to have. They're different for different types of sales. Uh, Long sales cycle, short sales cycle, consultative sale, commodity sale. It's different all across the board. Um, I wouldn't say that there's any hard, fast traits that would disqualify somebody from sales. I've known people that were super introverted that have done great at sales. I've known people that are super extroverted that have done great in sales. I know people at all ends of the spectrum that are horrible at sales. That makes if you sense. were interviewing like a, a salesperson, what what's like for me personally, like the salespeople that have done really well are the ones that have the gift of gab that can get along with the customer. They're not nervous. Like what, what would you say some of this stuff? 
would be. So I think that that part of that is just is that they're that they're somewhat courageous. Mm -hmm. I think that's super important, right? right. Um, the gift of gab. I don't know, man. Um, I've hired a lot of salespeople that have the gift of gab because I was hiring based on emotion, not based on science. I try to pull all of that emotion out of the hiring process mm -hmm. and hire the best candidate based on a based on a, a hiring process that we've put together. Um, uh, it, as a good salesperson, I could probably talk you into hiring. Yeah. And I may not be the right fit. We may have to disagree on the follow up, though, because <laughs> I'm <laughs> I'm heavy on the follow up. I'm, if you fill out my contact form on my website, you're going to get pounded to death, and that's you know that's what's worked for us. And I'll, like we're um, we're more in the commodity sale, you know. Uh, so you know, right? Ahead. So there's a difference. There's a difference between between somebody raising their hand saying, uh, "Hey, I'm interested." And then you staying in front of them until you have a conversation. Right, right. But at the point that you have a conversation, you need to decide: Are we a fit? Are we not a fit? Because there's there's I, there's seven million people in North Texas. I don't know if you if you do business nationwide, but there's seven million people in North Texas. Life is too short to chase the the one guy that raised their hand and filled out a form. Now, if you're doing it automated, if you're marketing to that person to get to the point where you have a conversation. No problem with that whatsoever. After you have a conversation, you need to decide, are they a good prospect? Are, are they somebody that you want to do business with? And do they want to do business with you? And if not, they got to go. You got to close the, close the deal or close the file. <laughs> got you. Yeah. So, I, I, go ahead, bro. Yeah. Well, for like, I, I think that, you know, like you said, a lot of distraction and the noise and like we are, like for us, we have to cut through that and keep their attention on, on us. And my theory on it is that, you know, once they, you know, they've already, I, the longest customer, they said, Hey, we've been trying to do business with you. Oh, we've been researching for two, three years. Right. And so they finally fill out the form, you know, they go through the whole process. They, they, you know, the follow-up is automated. Uh, you know, we were only going to call back, you know, obviously the, the hot leads, you know, if you will. Um, but yeah, just keeping them, in our environment, whether that means they go on YouTube and they see a video or, you know, they're chatting with their friends on Facebook and, you know, they see a, a retargeting video or like Instagram or something like that. Um, how do you feel about the whole, the multiple touch points before the sale? What's your take on that? Yeah. I, I have no problem with staying in front of people. Look, there's, there's, there's only a few buying emotions. One of them is pain in the future. One of them is pain in the present. Mm -hmm. And when I, when, when my tires on my car start to get, you know, they're starting to get worn, right? That's right. I, eventually I need to get some new tires. That's pain in the future. Now, if my wife is driving my car and she's got my two granddaughters in there with her and she has a flat tire in rush hour traffic, that's pain in the present. I'm fixing it right now. So you staying in front of people, you just need to be the right tire guy in the there at the right time in the right place when that prospect has got pain in the present. Mm. And, and 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 doing your due diligence and and blanketing the marketplace like you do is absolutely the right move. I want to be standing when the pain gets so great that they're ready to make a decision. Right. Yeah. I think a lot of people don't do enough follow-up. I mean, 
and and they're not there when that time comes, you know, because, you know, we speak to people, you know, they get in an accident, you know, a family member passes away, you know, things pop up and we still want to, hey, we're ready for you when you are, you know. I got you, man. I'm, it, just, just to make sure that we're clear, I'm talking about following up after the you've you've gone through the sales process. If if they say, "Hey, this sounds Frank, this sounds great. I love this, man. If I could make if 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 I had the power to make the decision, we'd do business with you today. This is this is you know you should have the Nobel Peace Prize for sales because I love this. This is great. Hey, look." I need to take this information back to, and we need to form a committee so that we can put together an RFP so that we can go to the marketplace uh, for, for sales training, man, we're done. We're done. I'm not chasing that guy. That's that's not worth it. We're we're done. (laughs) I'm not following that guy. Hey, Frank, last question. And then we'll let you go, brother. I appreciate you coming. But, uh, so I know that you are teaching and coaching a lot of these guys in that group. What do you give them as far as accountability to make sure that when you meet with them, that they're implementing the things that, that you're talking about to help measure their success? Yeah. So that's the beauty of our process. It is, it is reinforcement training. Um, David Sandler, teach a kid to ride a bike in a seminar and you literally cannot learn how to sell in a seminar it's uh, you might it might be all steak and no sizzle or all sizzle and no steak, whatever the whatever the right word, way to say that is. Um, we believe that change, substantive change comes incrementally and over time. So we start with a pro- with a foundational process where we learn that where we teach the foundations of selling. And then we move into sales mastery where we take those principles and we jackhammer those all the way down to bedrock. And the way that we do that is in a group of of your peers on a weekly basis coming together, talking about, here's what happened. Here's, here's where I, here's where I failed. Here's where I won. Let's talk about how does, how does this principle apply to this deal? And, and we all learn from that. So it's, it is, it is almost a mastermind type effect. And, and that coaching people through that instead of teaching and telling through that process is super effective, but it happens over time you know, true real change happens gradually. It happens over time. Yeah. I love that line. It happens incrementally, but it, 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 it mushrooms over time. I love that. And we love masterminds. So I love that concept of what you're doing. So tell people how they can get in touch with you. So I'm all over LinkedIn, Frank Gustafson on LinkedIn. I love LinkedIn. Uh, my website, STP, uh, strategic training partners, stp.sandler.com. Uh, frank.gustafson at sandler.com. Uh, but LinkedIn's the best place to find me. And just let's connect and and see if it makes sense to have a conversation. If it does, <laughs> fantastic. If it doesn't, that's okay too. We'll still be friends. Yeah. So we appreciate the time, man. Thanks for hopping on. And I'll bet the people got something out of this for sure. So we, we appreciate the uh, the wisdom and the counsel. Man, I appreciate you. I appreciate your show. I've listened to to, to uh, your show. I, I love the stuff. I love the, the wisdom that you guys bring. Your uh, your boy Shaddy, that was one of the best ones I've ever heard. That guy, his story, man. Just uh, if anybody's listening, they haven't listened. I think it was episode twelve. Just his story, man. His backstory is so amazing. What that guy's accomplished. I love that guy. 
Yeah, it really is. And and I love the story. It's it's always like an evolution, right? And yeah. it's the evolution of 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 a person and, and business. And he's got an amazing story. You guys keep bringing the heat, okay? Keep raising the bar. I appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you very much, Frank. Take care. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And uh, we'll see you guys next time on the Next Level Business Podcast. See ya.